0: Can you guys hear me from this? Okay. Good morning, everybody. God bless you guys. Um, I'm glad we can be here this morning in the presence of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I'm hoping that the word that we look into today can really affect us, as Manny was saying, change us, and um, just just really transform us. But before we get into it, let's actually start off with um, a word of prayer. Our God and our Father, through Jesus Christ, we thank you. Right now, we're standing in your presence as we speak in your name and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all we can say about what we're doing is that we're speaking in the name of God. And that's such a holy thing. That's such a serious thing. I just pray that each of us see the weight of that. I pray that I see it the most out of everybody in this whole room, God. I pray that I see that the most. That this discussion, this word that I'm about to share is, is yours and it has to be handled that way. I pray that it would, as I've been saying to them, change our lives, God. That it would be a word that we are all looking at and saying, this is what God wants for us to think about. This is what God wants for us to meditate on. You made us and you determine exactly what we're supposed to think about. I just praise you, God, for the obedience of this church and the, and the places that we are being obedient. I just thank you, God. There's so much grace that you've provided here. And I just pray that you continue to build this church up and you have mercy on each of us in that process because we're weak and we can make huge mistakes in our lives. I just pray you help us each to be faithful, to preserve us, in our faith and in our love and in our unity and um, that we would do your will, oh God, in this life that you've given to us. I pray that you would do this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So again, um, God bless you guys. Um, We're going to be talking about a particular word um, that I found encouraging. In the book of Titus, um, but before we even get into that, I, I do want to give us um, some background on the book. We are going to be focusing on a few verses within it, um, so I do want to just give you guys that. So, this uh, book we could really just call it a letter is a letter from Paul to a man named Titus. All right, you can see that in verse four of chapter one, and. He considers this man, Titus, to be a spiritual son to him. He does the same thing with Timothy in his letters, calling him my true child in a common faith. And he's writing, what dominates this letter is, um, Paul's concern for order to be established in the church. And uh, this is happening on an island called Crete between the European continent and the African continent, situated in the Mediterranean Sea. So that's just a little bit of that. Um, And as far as what Paul wants Titus to do in this letter, it comes down to him being a model, right, of true discipleship and of what it looks like to be a servant of Jesus Christ. He says things like in chapter 2, verse 1, right, teach what accords Right. Chapter 2, verse 6, Urge the younger men. Chapter 2, verse 7, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. Chapter 2, verse 15, Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Chapter 3, verse 1, Remind them. Chapter 3, verse 8, Insist on these things. Right. That's what dominates this letter. But as I said before, I do want us to focus in on a particular word of encouragement that I found um, in chapter 3, between verses 1 through 9, and we're going to narrow that down to 3 to 7 when we actually talk. So let's read through it. I'm reading in the ESV, so if you guys want to join me there, that would be good. And if your neighbor isn't so sure about where that is, Please show them um, so we can all see what the scripture says. Okay. It says, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. To be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. And it it goes on. Well, I can actually just uh, cut it there. Um, And as I said, I, I want us to look in on three to seven because as the title um shows us or indicates, we're going to talk about our justification, right? We're going to talk about how we've been justified in the sight of God. And on top of that, we need to talk about what we once were. right. That's a part of the Christian faith, what you once were. Um, and for some of us, that might be hard to relate to because maybe we grew up in a Christian context where we don't even know the point of our conversion or something like that. Um, But there might be some of us here who really did come from a place where like we were lost. We were unconverted. And more than that, some of us here right now though we have grown up in a Christian context might not have embraced the gospel. And so I think this is a word that we can all look at and get something from. So, let's go into it. I want us to focus on the first um, verse of this small section, verse 3, where Paul starts by saying, for we ourselves were once foolish. Right. This is Paul's reason right, for why we should not speak evil of anyone or avoid quarreling and show perfect courtesy toward all people, right? This is the reason he gives. We were once foolish. But from this, he goes on to explain the gospel. So I want us to look at this carefully. He says that we were all once foolish. We were people who lacked sense, right? We were disobedient. We were people who refused to submit to to those to whom it was due, submission was due, our parents, leaders. We were led astray. We were people who were led away into what was evil and against the law of God. We were people who were slaves to various passions and pleasures. We were dominated by certain sins. In this context, maybe pornography, some of us came out of that, right? Maybe actual, you know, immorality between two people. Maybe it was curse, maybe it was profanity. Maybe it was a lying tongue. Whatever it is, we were dominated by passions and pleasures, We were passing our days. We were going through life in malice, ill willed toward people, and envious. We desired what people wanted begrudgingly. There's nothing wrong. Like, this guy has nice shoes. I would love to get some shoes like that. But it's when you're like upset about it. We were like that. Not in a joking way, but very seriously. We were bitter, some of us here. We were hated by others, and we hated one another. Again, we were people with ill intentions and evil desires. And I think this is important to look at because we need to understand our former condition before we understand our salvation and what makes it good news right? We were in a very, very bad spot. And let's, let's see why this was bad, according to the rest of the Word of God. So if you guys can turn with me to Ephesians, we're going to look at a quick verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, <clears throat> 5 through 6. Okay. So this is what the Apostle, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, says. He says, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. People who live this way are not going to enter God's kingdom but that's what we once were. I was not born into a home where the gospel was preached. And I didn't even convert until I was about like 17, 18. I was living a life that would have led me to eternal destruction. I was living a life with foolishness, Like disobedience to my parents, serious forms of disobedience. I was led astray. I was dominated by passions and certain pleasures. I was passing my days like like I didn't like people, certain people. I was hated by people too. (laughs) and I was envious, I would always, or I would ponder why I didn't have certain things in a begrudging way. That's important. God says people who are like that, people who do this, if you are sexually immoral, if you are disobedient if you are a slave to certain passions if you are malicious and envious if you are like any of the things that God says you should not be you are in this category such a person will not go into the kingdom of heaven it's not my words And I don't think it's hard to interpret that properly. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous has no inheritance in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. You know what that would look like? It would be like to tell me something other than that. To tell anybody here other than that, that would be to deceive. Because of these things, that's why God gets angry. So to say, even if you do that, you're still going to be in the kingdom of God, that's deception. But Paul doesn't leave us there, right? And we got a lot to go through, but Paul doesn't leave us there. He goes on to say, um, if you want to turn back, you probably should keep your finger there um, because that is what we're looking at. To Titus chapter 3, verse 4. He goes on to say in in verse 4, let's let's come back from verse 3, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. This is really important here. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. I want us to look at that next. How was God's goodness and loving kindness displayed? It was when he saved us. It was in saving us that we were able to see the goodness and the loving kindness of God. Did we just hear what we were according to God? according to the same God, did we just hear what God said about us? We have no share in the kingdom of Christ and of God. But He saves us. And we'll talk about how exactly He saves us um, in a little bit. But we need to see that. That that is how, or that is one way we can see the goodness and loving kindness of God on display is in our salvation. So if you ever need to beg that question, how do I know that God desires good for me? How do I know that God loves me or has good will toward me? You need to remember If you haven't, if you've been saved, right, that he saved you when you were those things. When you were evil. And if you're not convinced of that, that you once were evil in a way separate from God, we've got to go to the basics at that point but I'm not going to do that here. What did God save us from? He saved us from our eternal doom. Right? Because of our sin. Paul didn't say he saved us from our sin, but when you study the the rest of Paul's teaching about this matter, the rest of the Gospels, Paul has this in mind when he writes to the people in Crete. God saved us from the eternal doom that we would face because of our sin. We would miss out on the kingdom. Jesus actually gives us something similar to this in Matthew chapter 25. You don't have to turn there. Um, You can just hear what I'm going to read. When he talks about the final judgment, and some of us, this is going to be familiar. And he talks about sheep, right, being on his right hand, and what? And goats being on his left hand. On his left side, you should say. And what the Lord says about these people is, in particular to the goats, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. But to those who were on his right, he said, Come you who are blessed by my Father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You can only be in one of these two places. You can't be in both. You're either going to have the kingdom, you're going to miss out on the kingdom. You're either going to have eternal life Or you're going to perish under eternal punishment. So, from this, Paul goes on and he actually says, you know, hold on. He saved us, but it's not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Now, if you ask me, the best way to take this would be in a way, I would say, related to our election. I don't think he's teaching the doctrine of election, but I think this is uh, something we can consider a part of our election. Either way, our salvation is by grace. Our election is by grace. But let's think about it in light of that. This is the ground on which God decides to offer you salvation. This is how His loving kindness is being put on display. His goodness is being put on display. What is so surprising about this, right? We need to think about that. God saved you, but what's so surprising about that? It's not only that you were a sinner, right? Who was <laughs> you were excluded from the kingdom of God. Right? It's that he saved you not because of your works. Not because you were a righteous person. <clears throat> we read in Romans 5, that was the scripture reading while we were still sinners, right? Christ died for us. God's choice to save us was not because we are righteous people. Maybe more to the point in this context, right? You're not excluded from that salvation also just because you're evil. It's unconditional. It's according to His own mercy that He decided. This sounds something like what Paul says to Timothy in uh, (coughs) chapter uh, chapter 1 of his second letter, where he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, His prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works but because of His own purpose and grace. God decided to save you, right? According to His own mercy, according to His own purpose, and according to His own grace. It has nothing to do with you It has to do with you but it has nothing you don't contribute in any way to whether God chose you or not Didn't the Lord Jesus the son of God didn't he say to his disciples He didn't choose me right But I chose you We don't contribute to being chosen for our salvation. That's one way the mercy of God is on display here, right? And we'll see how it is uh, in another way, a little bit uh, further. But this is something important to see. This is, like I would say, a really important part of our salvation. You've been chosen by God before the world even began. Right? God decided those who would be saved before anything. He determined those who would be vessels for mercy before the creation of the world. And you experienced that. You experienced that grace. Paul goes on to say, though, that the way in which God displays our salvation, right, is by washing us, right, through regeneration and renewing us by the Holy Spirit. And in the coming week, I might discuss... um, the sanctification, or the process of becoming, now we've been converted, right? Like the process of becoming holy unto God. I might talk more about that, but I think it might be a good start to say, hey, before you were converted, you were filthy, you were lawless, you were ungodly, you were sinful, and what God did was by the Holy Spirit, He washed you through regeneration, right? Right? through the new birth, right? And He renewed you through that same Spirit so that your affection changes. This sounds like something in Ezekiel in the Old Testament where God says in Ezekiel chapter 36, He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. If you've been saved, you've also been regenerated. You've been born again. You've been made new. You've been given a new heart. And with that heart, new affections, new commitments, new loyalties. And in this case, our commitment turns from sin, turns from lawlessness, turns from unrighteousness to the living God who saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, right? But what? According to His own mercy. The Holy Spirit, briefly put, is recognized by Paul as the author and agent by which God regenerates and renews us. And He does this, God does this, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's what Paul says in verse 6 when you look down at your uh, Bible. He says again, let me pull it up here. He says, "...he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit." Whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Right? And maybe we can get to how uh, God decided, right? Or what Jesus did, right, in order for us to receive the Holy Spirit uh, when we look at verse 7. But uh, we're actually gonna go there right now. But I do want to discuss something um, in verse 7 that might help us understand that a little bit better. And this is going to hone back to the title, which is about our justification. Or pardon me, actually. We're going to just, I'm going to point out here um, why Jesus Christ is called our Savior in verse 6, through verse 7. That's what I meant to say. Right. So why exactly in verse 6 right, is Jesus Christ called our Savior? Right. It's because through Him, right, as the title of this sermon is pointing back to, right, we have been justified. Right. And this word... Justified, right, when it comes to sin and its relationship to sin and God, right, it could have a few meanings, but the meaning in this particular case is we have been declared righteous, we have been acquitted of guilt. Why would Paul mention this? It's in light of what he said in the beginning. This is a continuing thought that Paul has. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But what did God do through Jesus Christ? He justified us. He declared us to be righteous. Paul gets deeper into this in another letter he has to the believers in Rome. And he says in verse 21, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. All right, we're talking about being declared righteous here, right? of the one who has faith in Jesus. It's important that we're justified. It's important that we're declared righteous. It's important that we stand in the presence of God without any stain, right? Because that's the only way you could be saved. right? There's only only two ways to be saved, okay? The first one is not even an option for us, but... We can hear it from our Lord as well. There's only two ways. What did our Lord say to the rich man who came to him and asked him, or many other men really just came to him and asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What did he say? He said, what? Keep the commandments. Right? And you'll live. This is not just the Lord's words. This is in the Old Testament as well. He said, The one who does them shall live by them. That is the commandments of God. You want to be righteous under the law? Keep the law. (laughs) But what does Paul say? He says what? For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Righteousness has been offered to us apart from the law, apart from keeping the commandments of God without failure, right? The opportunity to be righteous and innocent in the presence of God has been offered through Jesus Christ. So this is important. You only have two ways of being righteous in the sight of God. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can't be righteous according to the standard of His law. Indeed, the law of God was not even given for us to be righteous through it. That was not in the purpose of God when He gave the law. He gave the law according to His purpose, right? So that we could see our sin and He could fulfill His plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. So we need to come to terms with that. This is not a matter we can be, like, indifferent about and say, like, you know, hey, you know, I just want to be a good person, and, you know, I think God is going to accept me. You know, just, as long as I just don't do anything serious, and, you know, when I offend my conscience, just confess it and kind of move forward, you know, I think I'll see good days with God. No! <laughs> You've got to come to terms with the fact that you've broken God's law. That you're a transgressor. That you have offended God. You guys think you've offended God? Do you think the offense against God and the weight of the punishment is like, you know, right? (laughs) Or do you think God should change His ways? Of course God should not change His ways. So Jesus, right? It's through Him (laughs) that we receive pardon in our offense toward God and are declared righteous men and women. You are considered somebody through Jesus Christ and faith in His name as someone who has kept the law of God. You are treated as someone who has been like, obedient without fail, even though morally we're not like that. This is our status before God through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> this is put well of course by the apostle in Romans chapter 8 verse 3. He says, "For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that what What was the purpose? Why did God condemn sin in the flesh of Jesus Christ? Why? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Did you die on a cross? No. (laughs) Jesus Christ did. He was your substitute. And all the benefits of his obedience, all the reward. We sang it earlier, right? How can I get his reward, right? Did Jesus sin? No. How can I have his reward? That's the question that should be in our hearts. That should be something that should make me, like, in the presence of God, just think, you know? God loved me, and He displayed that through Jesus. Can you find love or mercy like that anywhere in the world? Can you name it? Take a week. Come back next week. Can you find it? You can't. So Jesus has caused us (coughs) to be righteous today in the presence of God and has prepared us for the final day of judgment. Right? On that day, everybody's going to be present before the judgment seat of God. If you were a Jew, you had the law. If you were a Gentile, you had your conscience. And you're going to be judged according to that. But we all have offended the law of God. What's our doom? Eternal punishment. But God gives us Jesus Christ. And that's by grace. Right? We've been justified by grace. So we we talked about potentially our election right? God choosing you, you know, to be saved. He could have chose you to be saved by works, right? But no, He chose you to be saved by grace, by the death of another person, and you receiving that in faith. It's by grace that we've been justified. Did we earn it? Do we deserve the position that God gives us? By the very fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, of course we don't deserve it. He died because we're sinners. It's by grace. It's a gift. It's God's mercy for us and His love on display. And God did this, right, to what end? As I said before, so that we could inherit eternal life. So that we could become heirs according to the hope of eternal life, is what Paul says. But so that we can inherit that. So we could have that. And this is the last quote I'll give by Paul um, just before I conclude. And it's what he says in Romans chapter 5. I mean, you keep hearing me quote the same book. You have questions about this. Let's take some time there in Romans chapter 5, or Romans in general. Right? And this is what Paul says. He says, as one trespass led to condemnation for all people, for all men. That's talking about Adam, right? Through Adam, all of us are under the fallen condition we are in and we die. And we are sinners and therefore alienated from God. Through his trespass, condemnation is due to us all. Right, So one act of righteousness right, leads to justification and it doesn't end there. And life for all. You're declared righteous and in that, God gives you eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's the hope that I need to have, that we need to have, that we're responsible for having. God justified you, He forgave you. So, what did we just pick up from this, right? God has put His goodness on display, okay? By taking us from our life of sin, like remember this, our life of sin, you're not always innocent, even if you're born in a Christian home. Your life of sin, and He declared you righteous by grace, which leads to eternal life. He gave you a new heart. He washed you by regeneration and renewed you by the Holy Spirit. This happened at faith. And He did this through His Son, Jesus Christ. We heard the language of Paul. He said he offered somebody, God offered somebody as a propitiation for your sins. You know what that means? As Paul said it, we need to receive that person. We need to accept that person. Why? He's the only hope you have of eternal life. You got two two choices. I'm just going to say this one more time. You're either going to be perfect in this life and stand in the presence of God, blameless, which you're not, or you're going to receive grace. You're going to receive mercy through the Lord Jesus Christ and His substitution on your behalf. If you haven't turned to Jesus already, if we haven't turned to Him, Let's turn to Him. doesn't matter. We just talked about it. It doesn't matter where you are right now. Okay? God, what did, what did Paul say? Even though you were disobedient, you were like all these things, slaves. From that place, from that place, God saved you. He didn't save you because of your works of righteousness. He saved you according to His own mercy. Receive the mercy of God. You don't need to say, let me first live a life that's obedient, that's just changed. Let me free myself from this and free myself from that. And then let me start thinking about God. No. (laughs) Confess today in the presence of God if you have not recognized Jesus Christ. Repent today in the presence of God for your failure to submit to Him, to honor Him, to obey His law. Acknowledge it and receive Jesus Christ and you'll be forgiven. You'll be declared righteous. You'll be declared blameless in the presence of God. And you'll have the hope of eternal life without distinction None of us have our salvation because we are more righteous than this person or that person. God chose us all when we were in sin, when we were rebels, when we were not sensible people, when we were foolish. You see those people in life, like at Walmart, they're being foolish. They're jumping on the counter or whatever. you are like, oh gosh, like these people, they can never be saved. God saved you from that place. God saved you when you ran away from your parents. God saved you when you were so ridiculous. But He saved you. And He loves you like that. This is the heart of God toward us as His creatures. And if we're in Christ, we're not only those whom He created, we're His children. That is a discussion for another time. If we've embraced this truth, let us give thanks to God for our election, for His grace in it, for choosing us, like I said, without any condition. Right? And also His grace in offering us salvation through Jesus Christ. Right? Justifying us as a gift. Declaring us righteous as a gift. Let us give thanks for that. That He would give His Son for us. To be at peace with Him. Even though we were transgressors. Even though when we were evil. And even today He has mercy on us. Let us thank Him. As I said before, this is love and this is mercy. (laughs) at its finest. You don't have anything like this. As far as I know, and you can, like I said, you guys got a week, let me know. I don't know anything like this. And so, let's pray. Um, and as I said before, if you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? You're going to be a sinner your whole life. Today's the day. Let's pray. I thank you, God, for your mercy today, for giving the grace to allow your word to come out clearly. I thank you for this mercy, God. I just pray that you help us, Lord, based on this word that we read. As it has touched me in part, I pray it would also touch each of us in this room and that we would see the fullness of this reality that we have been justified by your grace through Jesus Christ, our Lord and substitute. That He took our place on that cross and he did not stand there in vain, but he died to Forgive, to cause you to forgive us of our transgressions. You gave up your only son, the only son that you have in the way that you and the Lord have <clears throat> this relationship. You gave him up for us, for us while we were still enemies. Enemies. And now some of us are in our Lord. And some of us are outside of our Lord. And we thank you for those who are in the Lord. But we thank you for those who are here right now who are outside of the Lord. Who are not abiding in Him. Who are not having faith in Him. Because... This is their opportunity, God, that you have provided, and we thank you for that. This is another way that you have displayed your mercy, Lord, is by letting them hear it. That's your love. That's your call. You're the one calling mens salvation God. You're the one giving the commission. We didn't do it ourselves. So we thank you for your mercy toward mankind. and we just pray that those who have heard, who have not believed that today they would believe, they would put their trust in Jesus Christ and those of us who have believed that we would be renewed in our faith, that we would be strengthened in our faith about this matter, that we would no longer be indifferent, or you know not even thinking about this, are so core to our reconciliation, and peace with you. Our eternal life. This is above everything. This is how we even have the chance to call you Father. This is how we even have heaven. What does ministry mean? What does anything mean apart from this? So please, God, shine this light in our hearts. Shine this light in our hearts, God, so we might see what you have done through Jesus, your Son. We thank you for this time, God, and I pray, I pray, I pray you would touch each of us, the believer and the unbeliever, about this matter. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.